Welcome to the Tenet Podcast. I'm Todd Pearson here with my friend, partner, and three-time Olympic badminton champion, co-host extraordinaire, Wes Brown. Hey, Todd. Yeah, not too many people know that I used to play badminton. Uh, actually, for um, a, an up-and-coming team out of the Ukraine. So, I, you know, kind of like Becky Ham. I think it was Becky Ham that played basketball for the Ukraine. I actually paid, played badminton for the Ukraine. Um, you know, we didn't, we didn't make it to the top, but, you know, we gave it a good try. And if you people listening believe that. I was just going to ask. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not play bad. I played badminton, but not professionally and not for the a U- Ukrainian team. <laughs> But it sounds good. I, was so I roll with block it. German team. <laughs> but I do, I do believe Becky Ham, who's from Rapid City, who now uh, coaches. I think she did go play for uh, either the Ukraine or the Russian team. I can't remember. Maybe it was the Russians. But anyway, um, anyway, because she wanted to play. Um, and I think there was a boycott or something going on. I don't remember what. It, fact check me though. Fact check me. I may even <laughs> delete this. I don't know. <laughs> Badminton's so, a great game. It it's is. like a perfect drinking sport. And it's fast. If you ever watch that, the Olympics, it fast. it's fast. And, um, and that, that pickle's a pretty good one to play when you're drinking too. Oh, Pickle I ball. haven't played. Yeah, yeah, that's big in Florida. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and apparently the Ukraine, I don't know. <laughs> in the Ukraine. <laughs> I hope our listenership goes up now that we mentioned the Ukraine about six hey, times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you guys should be getting you know, some... Money back from them for sponsorship. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Us and Hunter Biden. If you're. <laughs> oh, terrible. Oh, terrible. Oh. So, anyway. Wes, you took a road trip yesterday. I did. I did. Billings, I had... Montana. That's right. I went to Billings, Montana to the Yellowstone Art Museum of Contemporary Art. And they had a new exhibit called New Beginnings, an American Story of Romantics and Modern- Modernist in the West from the Tia Collection out of Santa Fe. The, the exhibit focused on Taos area artists who began experimenting with in- interpreting the West through modern lenses at, at the turn of the 20th century. So these, these artists pushed the boundaries and adapted new ways of thinking and seeing and found their own vision in, in the place of uh, modern day modernists. Modern day modernists? That's kind of... Modern day modernists. Something like that. Kind of, it kind yeah. of sounds redundant, but yeah, we'll roll with it. But anyway, it was a really good show. I had a, a ton of different artists, not a lot of pieces from any sp- specific artists, a lot of uh, solo pieces, but man, just kind of the gamut and beautiful from kind of expressionistic to, uh, to more and a lot of landscape kind of stuff. It was really well put together. I really enjoyed it. I was going to ask, is, was there an overriding theme, like a Western theme, or was it just anything goes? Yeah, it was kind of, I think it was more of just focusing on those Taos um, artists at the time, at the turn of the 20th century. And they just, uh, the Tia collection that um, teamed up with the, uh, the Yellowstone art, and it's called Yam, Yellowstone Art Museum. So I love that. It's kind of like Dam, but Yam. Right, um, right. But yeah, it's, uh, so we drove down <laughs> like five and a half hours. Uh, so it was oh, a man. full day trip. It was a one day trip there and back, uh, seeing the art museum and had some lunch and uh, kind of moseyed around and came back. But uh, yeah, it was a beautiful day for it. Who did you like of that show? Oh, see, you, I knew you'd throw a name. Well, well I, want, you know, I have to ask you that question. Well, yeah. So let me. So Otherwise, I don't even know if you really went. You might have just made up the story. <laughs> oh, okay. So, driving five I, and a half hours. Well, after the okay. badminton story, I mean, anything goes, right? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> our, 
integrity's out the door with a badminton story. Uh, Todd started that one. So there we go. Um, let me, uh, the, my favorite piece was, um, was Fremont Ellis had a piece in there called the, the passing storm. And it's a beautiful piece. It's an oil painting, fairly pretty big, not gigantic or anything. And then there was an Edward Weston photograph in there, of course, um, and uh, Peter Moran. So those were those were kind of my highlights. Of course, you know how I feel about Edward Weston. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, a lot of the artists I never heard of. And I took pictures of a lot of the ones that I liked so I could go back and kind of do a little bit deeper dive, but I haven't done that yet. So, but cool. yeah, yeah. So it was a lot of fun. I'm glad we went and um, kind of getting geared up to come to Denver here in a couple of weeks, hopefully. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. yeah. Nice. So speaking of Denver and coming up, um, we need to take a moment and acknowledge our media sponsor, New Magazine. That's N-U-E. New recently put out the winter issue of New Denver, and you can find the link on, to the issue on the Tenant Facebook page, along with the link to their new 2021 arts issue. Or if you are on Instagram, you can follow the new national edition at new underscore magazine and the Denver edition at new underscore Denver underscore magazine. And if you've been listening to us, you know that coming up here in a couple weeks, uh, New Denver is putting on Weekend of the Arts. This event will be happening the evening of Friday, April 23rd through Sunday the 25th at the historic Zhang Building on Platte Street in Denver. And we'll be home to the new space pop-up gallery. And I know that they're planning a fashion show. There's different speakers. We've talked to a couple people that, are, that will be speaking there. As we have more details, we'll definitely get those out to you either via the podcast or uh, our Facebook tenant page. All right. Good job, Todd. Right, to oh, thank you. That was a mouthful, right? It was. I might need some oxygen. <laughs> um, our guest this week is a magnificent artist. He's been on here before. He's the owner of Bit Factory Gallery and Studios and someone that's been um, a really great friend and a huge supporter of the Tenant Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast, W. Max Thomason, a.k.a. Bill Thomason. How you doing, man? I am very well. You're very good. Very good. Um, last time we talked to you was almost a year ago. Um, it was like mid-May last year. And right as the pandemic was kind of starting, we were kind of in lockdown. Yeah, we were in the middle of lockdown, right? Yeah. We didn't really know what was in store for us. But you've kept plugging along. I have. I have. Um, the, uh, we t obviously, I did, I did the shutdown with that like everybody else did last year. And then I opened back up at the third Friday of July. And I've been open ever since. And it kind of screwed up your schedule a little bit, right? As <laughs> kind far of, as last yeah. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it put me, you know, I, I, like to, I like to stay booked about 12 months, 12 to 14 months out. And I'm, I'm working on 2023 right now because 2020 screwed up everything so bad. So everything's kind of just been pushed out. Yeah, yeah I was just yeah. going to ask that. Can you just push everything out or did some things just go away? Well, some things just went away and it's not really just, you know, push it out. It's, it's, it was a lot of artists not wanting to show last year at all, which I can't blame them at all. Yeah. Uh, nobody knew what was going to happen. Right. Uh, but they can't, you know, you can't just say, okay, you had May of 2020. So let's do May of 2022. Now it, it, it I, I kept most of it. It's just rearranging the hell out of it, you know? Sure. 
So but, puzzle uh, pieces, huh? Yeah. To yeah, move. yeah. Yeah. And it, it also kind of opened me up uh, to be able to do a call for entry show this year, which was not even on the schedule at all. And then because everything got rearranged so bad, I had a, I had a, a month open. So I just decided to do a call for entries and I wanted to do it based on or, or focused on art that was created during the pandemic and how it's either changed the artist process or changed our outlook on their work. And I've got, I got in touch with my uh, professor from college and she's going to be the juror. And this is the professor that you took multiple painting classes. Yes. Amy Metier. Metier. Okay. I thought that was, was probably who it was. So she's going to be, she's going to be one of the jurors. She is the juror. The, the oh, she one. is the juror. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know yes. if there's multiple or. Okay. Cool. Right on. Are you going to have a show with that with those pieces in it? Is that happened or is it coming up? No. So that's going to be. Um, oh my God! I just drew a blank on the dates. It's like August September. Okay. The the call's already out there on cafe callforentries.org. Um, and she's already set up as a juror and everything. So, and I think I've already got like fifteen wow. entries so far. That's great. And Fantastic. Three images per entry or up to three images per entry. Okay. Right on. So that's a, that seems like a lot of pieces already. Well, she, you know, she'll distill it down and go through it. Oh. And like with the last one I did, uh, Lee Lavier was the juror. And I think there was only two artists. She picked multiple pieces from everybody else. She just picked one from, and that's usually the way it goes. Okay. So then uh, the ones that they, uh, that Amy picks will be hung in the gallery. That's correct. Okay, good. And, uh, and of course, online as well. Okay, great. Oh, looking forward to that. That'll be fun to see. Yeah, that. it should be really good. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to work with her again. We, uh, we traded emails a bit. She wasn't, it was still a few months ago, so everybody was still kind of staying home. And uh, we're working around, she's got a, a residency in Ireland this summer, and we're trying to work around that. So she's still plugging away at it, which is great to hear. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't tell her enough how much she influenced me and got me into this and kept me going all these years, you know. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. It was, it was good to finally uh, touch base with her again after all these years, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, because we had a whole conversation about her in uh, the previous yeah. episode we did with you. So. <laughs> we did. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. So I don't want to rehash things that we talked about last time when we had you on last May. But I do want you to go back and kind of give us, our, our listeners who might be tuning in for the very first time, a little idea of what Bit Factory Gallery and Studios is all about as far as what you do uh, and, and what you specialize in and kind of what your business model is. Okay. So I, I built Bit Factory, uh, the gallery, as a primarily as a gallery to work with emerging and up-and-coming artists because I remember how hard it was for me to get exhibitions in an accredited gallery right out of college. You know, while I was in college, it wasn't that hard to get into a show because there's a lot of student shows. People wanted to work with students who are attached to a university, uh, and especially with Amy Metier's program. Her name had a lot of clout around town at that time, and I'm sure it still does. Uh, but as soon as I got out of college, nobody wanted to touch me. So when I put Bit Factory together, that was primarily the objective, was to work with the emerging and upcoming artists. And then after a couple of years of doing that, then I started also adding to the rotation. I shouldn't say after. Uh, the other side of that was I wanted to work with at least one major and established arch every year. You know, I've, I've worked with Gary Wallace. He's a famous fashion photographer. I've worked with Iris Sherman, who's a fantastic sculptor. I'm working with Tadashi Hayakawa. I was supposed to work with him last fall, but of course that fell through. So we're doing it this fall for his final solo exhibition. He's kind of retiring 
from the art world to be 80 years old oh, at this wow. point. Um, so, and then I've also built the studios um, because I, I've really missed that environment where we had in college where we had, you, you constantly have people, other creatives around you creating all the time. And, and if you got stuck or just needed to breathe for a minute or, or, or needed some critique or something on your piece, there was all these people around you all the time that you can sit down and do that with. And that's, was the idea behind the studios, you know, and, and, you know, I have to admit it, it also helps to pay the bills. You know, I, the, the art market is extremely fickle and it changes from month to month to month. So, and, and, and I'm not selling, you know, I, I don't work with artists who sell hundred thousand dollar pieces every month. So when the, when the gallery is running lean, I've got the studios who are, who are helping me keep the lights on, you know, and I, I wanted somewhere where I can at least show once a year. I didn't want to be that guy who has his stuff in the gallery all the time <laughs> that I don't mean to disrespect anybody that does that. I just didn't feel that that was the right course for myself, you know? Yeah. So the studios have that play, has that played a really important part during this pandemic as far as, you yeah. know, keeping the lights on and paying the bills this last year? Yeah. I honestly, uh, if I didn't have the studios attached to this gallery, I probably would have lost the building during the shutdown. Um, I, I got super lucky. So the rest of my family is extremely talented financially. They understand finance inside and out, especially my little brother. He's just fantastic with it. So he helped me work it out to where I uh, paid down my building and got a, got my mortgage way down right before the pandemic hit. So I, I cut my my mortgage by over half, which during the pandemic, if I didn't have the studios, I might have made it. It's really questionable, you know, but if I had had that mortgage I had prior to the pandemic, there would have been no way in hell, you know, wow. it, it was commercial mortgages are not cheap. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You know, so well, um, that's a, that's a prime piece of real estate that you have now. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I got in right before the bubble took off in what, 2014. So uh, yeah, everything's going for just outrageous amounts down there per square foot. So now I've got a retirement plan, <laughs> yeah. you know, right. No, that's but, real. Yeah, that's awesome, man. In this past year, have you seen places disappear down there in the art district? Have, you know, have we, many we, places been hit very hard, do you think? I, I only know of one gallery that closed permanently, and that was May Wynn's May gallery. Uh, I know that for sure that she closed down. There's another one that I think closed down, but I haven't had a chance to go by there to see if they have. But other than that, everybody stayed. And in fact, some people moved in. Wow. Uh, we lost some other we we lost some other businesses down there, but they weren't uh, galleries or studios. They were like architectural firm moved out. I don't know if they went out of business or they just moved out. I just noticed that the other day. Um, and there's been a couple other like a couple of restaurants changed hands, but they're still restaurants that kind of thing. So beyond the fact that people weren't coming in and and you weren't able to have your regular schedule, how how else did the pandemic affect you? Any other ways? Oh. Yeah, I, I got off my butt and got an online store going for the gallery. Um, honestly, I hadn't given up much thought prior to the p- pandemic. And then once we were in the pandemic, and I was still selling my own pieces on some other sites, my own site in Saatchi, uh, it's a gallery out of London. Um, I figured I might as well just jump in that pool and try it out and see how it went. And it's actually done all right for me, especially really? with this most recent exhibition. Right on. So it's definitely been advantageous and, and then yes. getting you to kind of think, think outside the box in different ways that you might normally not, you might normally not have explored if things were in a normal situation. Right. Well, 
you, you, you got to start looking at other avenues to hustle, right? You've got to figure out how, how am I going to make the money to keep the lights on? So granted, you know, in hindsight, an online store sounds pretty intuitive and why the hell would you do that right away from the get go? But leading up to it, it had never crossed my mind just because all of my traffic was in store. And honestly, I've, I've never bought art online myself and I never saw it, to me, it just seemed like uh, too much time and investment for little return. But I think the pandemic might've changed all that. I, I think the art market, excuse me, the online art market has really increased because of the pandemic and people are okay with looking at a, a photo, which to me, a photo of a painting really flattens it out and you can't really get the depth and detail, but apparently the general public doesn't seem to mind that. You know, I, I, everybody at Spot Online has never complained back to me about, well, this looks so much different from the photo, you know? So. And you're selling originals and prints or just originals or how's that work? Yeah. So I'm selling prints and originals and for, for, uh, A.L. Lummis, I'm selling lunch boxes. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at those. Yeah, yeah. you can get uh, issue number 35 lunchbox for 45 bucks. That's a smoking deal. It is. It is. It's, it's very cool. It's very uh, original, uh, an original idea, you know? Yeah. Um, she made five for the exhibition and we've sold two or, two or three of them so far. Yeah. No, I think that's brilliant. I love it. You know, obviously I haven't been able to make it down there for the show, but her stuff is amazing. I love Amy stuff. It's just, Oh, it's, it, I got to tell you guys, it's, it's, you know, I, I think we kind of touched on this last interview too. Um, but when I, when I have been working with artists for a while and also they start getting some traction or start taking off a little bit, it's just an amazing feeling for me. It's, it's so fulfilling and satisfying, you know, and she hasn't just started getting some traction. She's just blown up. Yeah. Like this, this, she, she's gone from doing, she's shown with me almost every year that I, since I've been open in, in a group exhibition of one time, one kind or another, you know, two, three, four, five people. Uh, this is our first solo exhibition and we're at the halfway point. I've got 44 pieces on, ex on exhibition. I've sold half of them. Wow. That's yeah. great. so and, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the feedback from, and the, the way the general public is, is responding to the exhibition is phenomenal. I've already talked to, uh, uh, well, Dan, now that he's curating that gallery in Rhino, I kind of put a bug in his ear about having her show there this summer. So I think he's at, invited her to do that. And then next week, I'm pitching the exhibition to the Gilpins, Gilpin County Arts Board to try to get an exhibition of, of, of her stuff up there next fall. Because I just really think this exhibition needs to be seen by a yeah. lot more people for a, a lot longer amount of time. Yeah, she pitched uh, the Dolphine Arts Center, Rapid City, and they passed on it. And I'm I'm really disappointed because I think they missed a great opportunity to really show some interesting stuff that would, uh, you know, I think it's time for having those kind of, and not that her pieces are that edgy there. I mean, but we need to have that kind of stuff up here. They, well, they do a just, good job, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's just it, though. That she, she uses this almost frivolous imagery of, of the mid-mod, late 50s, early 60s. So soften the blow and make it more palatable of what the actual narrative is. And you get into the exhibition and you, you know, you're seeing them online, but when you come in and you actually read the tags for each piece and the number of them, I, I literally had a therapist walk out of my gallery yesterday and said it was, she said, I've gotten through an eighth of this exhibition. I have to leave. This is overwhelming, but this is amazing and left. And That's wanted crazy. to know it, wanted to make sure that everything was online because she, she wanted to buy a piece and it's getting really positive feedback for both male and females. Yeah. I honestly thought at some point some male was going to walk in the exhibition and cause a scene. And they're almost more accepting and more into it than the females are. And I, I don't, I, that sounds a lot 
more brash than it really is. I just mean they're really like if if this was the entire population of the planet, we would be having these issues right now. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. they are so they are so open to this message that she's pushing, this narrative that's been needed to be. Well, it's it's been around since the beginning of time. I mean, this this it's just we're in the right social and political environment right now for people for this to be able to happen and people openly listen to it or read it or view it. Yeah, it's an incredible um, exhibit, and uh, it's called Metal Martyr. We had Amy on A. L. Lomas on um, a few months ago, right after she did her uh, Ben the Iron show. And between that show and this show, she created what, like close to 50 pieces for this oh, show? The, this show, she, she created uh, 47 total. 47, and okay. I, and, I, and I hung 43 or 44. And I think for Ben the Iron, it was close to the same amount. She's incredibly prolific. And, and no, this show is... crazy. Yeah. Um, I've been back twice. I went to the opening and it was like the therapist you were talking about, it was almost overwhelming. I told Bill when I, when I saw him that night, I said, I'm embarrassed. And I was embarrassed because I can't believe that she produced all this work in that small amount of that window of time. Not only that, she has a huge installation that she's done and yeah, it's a beautiful show. So between the the pieces on the wall, the, the installation aspect of it, the short film aspect of it, and it was all done in four months. I mean, it was just nuts. Uh, and the, you're, you're not the only one. I had several artists that came through and all of us were joking about, we got to get off our butts. This is, she's making us look bad by getting all this done. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm still trying to get just 20 pieces done for my solo exhibition. And here she's got 50, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And for those who are listening that aren't in the Denver area and you want to see her work, go to bitfactory.net and look under exhibitions and you'll see metal martyr and uh, those pieces. And if you go to, if you go on to his shop, which is shop.bitfactory.net, not only can you go and look at them, but you can purchase them. So get on there, look at, look at some of those, find something you like and get on and buy it because her stuff is amazing. And these, you know, even the, the prints are, you know, $45 for a lunchbox. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and the, the prints we have are, are 36 and $21. Yeah. I mean, so they're totally almost sold reasonable. out. Well, yeah. they are, but they're almost sold out, so they got to hurry up. <laughs> so when you buy a print, I got a quick question. So you get a print and you got, let's say, like issue number 46. Do you get the little placard? Does that come with it on the back? Yes. So uh, after, after we got the show going, I, I got a hold of her. I said, you've got to, people are going to want the tags as well. So she went through it and did a whole new batch of tags and, and signed them all. So whoever buys a piece gets a tag with it. Nice. Sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 So, but, you know, like I said, she'll be at uh, the waiting room gallery, I think in July. And then I'm trying to get her up at Washington Hall up in Central City sometime in the fall. And she's sticking, she's sticking in with this narrative and this, this uh, vision she has right now for a while. Good. Um, Good. She, there's, I mean, I, I don't know why she would stop until she gets exhausted of just saying the same thing over and over again until somebody actually hears. You know what I mean? Yeah. So will you keep her stuff on your, your shop yes. for a little while? Okay until they're sold yeah. out. And even when they sell, they're still on there. So people can see the work in case they want to commission her for something. Great. It just, that, it just marks it as sold out. That's smart. I love that. That's a great idea. Has this been the best show that you've had this year? Well, obviously oh, this year, but in the past yeah. year, I should say since the, 
pandemic started. Yeah, th- this has been the this is the, the best selling show for a couple of years. You know, there, there's a couple of shows that I have uh, every year, except for last year. Obviously, I didn't have one uh, that that sell really great. And this one, quite honestly, I, I was going into it just hoping to get body, bodies to the door to actually hear and see the message. The fact that the sales have just gone bananas is just you know icing on the cake, really. You know, yeah. and I'm hoping it kind of makes her more of a makes makes our household name in the art community in, in Colorado now, and it helps her start pushing out regionally because she really deserves it. I think. Yeah. yeah, I agree. She's so she's so incredibly talented, and you know, like I said, prolific. And um, you know, I I really enjoyed the the last body of work she did, Bend the Iron, but this is like a whole other like avenue, like yeah. realm that she's in now. And, you know, it was, and it was cool to talk with her that night at the opening. Um, and just, you know, how appreciative she is of you, Bill, you know, recognizing, you know, her talent and, and her as an artist and showcasing it and giving her the chance because, you know, she said you were the first one to really like get it and, and give her that opportunity. And, she, you know, she definitely um, felt very thankful for what yeah. you provided for her and, and what you've done for her career. Well, and, and you're right. She's, she's extremely grateful and thankful about it. And I, I'm the one that should be thanking her nonstop for just walking in my gallery and approaching me about this, you know, exhibiting there. Um, and I kind of feel that way about all the artists I work with. Uh, I, I've just got this fantastic group of artists that I can tap into that have, for some unknown reason to me, have come through my gallery and want to sh- exhibit there. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm, I'm just, I hate to say it this way, but I, I'm so damn blessed. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um, my fiance is going to laugh at me for saying blessed, but um, it's an inside joke with us. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that whole hashtag blessed crap. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 I can't believe how lucky I am. Yeah. For, first of all, to be able to work with somebody that talented who has every, every time she's shown, she's grown. And now all of a sudden that she's got her first solo exhibition with me, it's just exploded. Like it's just taken off like crazy for her is going to be so damn validating, but it also is for me as well. You know, finally people are starting to see what I see in her artwork. You know what I mean? And I kind of feel validated as, as a gallerist finally, which, you know, has never been my main focus or forte. You know, I'm, a, I'm an actual working artist. So maybe I'm starting to get things right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're, I think you're, um, the way that you do things and the way you have yourself set up, I think it's um, not only is it incredibly smart, but um, you know, y- you just provide something I think is missing a lot of times in the art world. Like I, from the moment I entered Bit Factory, I always, you know, I felt welcomed. I really, you know, loved meeting you. You were approachable, um, and I've said it before off the podcast that you know. Y- my experience at Bit Factory is what I measure all my other experiences when I go into a gallery or or a new gallery. Um, you know, how am I treated? Am I greeted? Yeah. You know, do, do they engage with me? And that's all because of you, man. So, well, you know, I, 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 luckily I, I had some, I, I don't know if you want to call them good or bad experiences. As, you know, as an artist trying to get exhibitions and walking into galleries and nobody would talk to you or there was nobody in there. Yeah, and you know, ever since we've you've said that to me a few times, and, and I've kind of been paying attention to people since we've talked about that. And 
there's quite a few people will say, Oh, you you own the gallery. You're actually talking to me and you, you know, you're here, that kind of thing. I'm like, well, yeah, that's my job. <laughs> you know, I have, <laughs> I put the art on the walls. I present it to you. I have you here to, to, you know, try to buy some stuff. Why wouldn't I be talking to you? Right. But yeah, I, I, I do know what they're saying because there's several galleries in town that I walk into that they just kind of look at you on the side of their eye and say, huh, you must not have money and walk off, you know? Right. Which I don't know. Just kind you shouldn't of make me. that mistake, man. You know, yeah. especially like, in Colorado, because man, right. people dress so casually. You could walk in with blue jeans and a flannel shirt and be a millionaire. You don't know. Oh, I've man, I've seen people had more money than God in in like flip flops and holy jeans. Right. You know, and, and could literally buy the entire city block. So why would you know? Why would you judge people that way? And you know that gets into a whole other <laughs> conversation we don't need to get into, but. Uh, that, that's just, that's just my job is to be there and greet everybody. Right. Um, and try to make them feel like comfortable. And if they have any questions, I'm the person to come ask unless the artist is there, then I'll let them know that as well. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm pointing to my side. Like there's somebody next to me. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? <laughs> and maybe that's why your gallery and you resonate with me. Cause you, you know, we wear the same uniform. It's usually a t-shirt and blue jeans and, you know, you got your standard ball cap on a lot of times, but, yeah, yeah. and maybe that's why people go, Oh, you're the gallery owner. Cause they expect right. something else. You know, they're not used to seeing that, but right, I guess that's right. probably why it resonated with me. Like, Hey, this guy's, you know, I can relate to him. He's just like me. Well, um, you know, approachability, right? Yeah, yeah totally. it is. Yeah. And I, I've walked into a number of galleries, like in, even in Telluride and they'll just, you know, they'll nod their head at you and say, if you have any questions, ask me, you know, which is fine. I, I don't not, I don't necessarily mind being left alone when I'm looking at great art. Right, but at right. the same time, I think, you know, there's that customer service element. Acknowledge me when I walk in, say goodbye when I leave and thanks mm -hmm. for coming in. And then, you know, you don't have to follow them around and, you know, at beg for, you know, like, let me talk to you, but be personable and be approachable like you, like you are. Yeah. You know? Well, so. and I, I think that's important. It, it, yeah, absolutely. Acknowledge them when they walk in, acknowledge them when they're leaving. You know, and if, and if you can say something to them in between, do. But I, I, I kind of, I know when I walk into a gallery or museum, I don't want somebody in my ear when I'm trying to view. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I try to stay away from people unless they want to engage and ask me questions or whatever. But I do right. want them to feel like they, that I am here and I can be, you're not bothering me. Come talk to me if you need to, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's tightrope. You know, sometimes there's very antisocial people that come in. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and just saying hi to him kind of puts him on the wrong, on the back foot. You're like, oh, sorry. You know, and right. that's something I've had to learn too. I've, I've never been a salesman type at all. And I, yeah. and, and I don't think I am now, but I think I'm getting much better at, I, for lack of a better term, people skills and, you know, trying to make sure that they feel welcome that I'm there. And that's one of the things that bothers me about the, that I'm going to miss about the very, uh, uh, the, the, the first Fridays and openings right now that are kind of smaller. You know, because when I get two or 3,000 people coming through my door tonight, I don't get a chance to say hello and goodbye to everybody. And right now, with, you know, between 50 and 100 people coming through, I get plenty of time to talk to them, to greet them, you know, uh, visit with them for a while if they want to talk about a piece, you know. And that, that I will miss that because it's, it's, it's a much more joy, enjoyable experience, especially for myself. They're just high-by, yeah. high-by, high-by, you know.
Right. And I think, you know, first Fridays is a different gig. You know, people are, you know, they, they understand. I mean, I totally understand if I walk in, there's, you know, like that, that first Friday, uh, Todd took me to where we came down to bit factory, you know, there was a ton of people in there, you know, but we stopped and, you know, uh, Todd introduced you to me and you were, I mean, it was just a pleasant conversation and you were manning, you were right by the door. So it was a great experience. So that's, but it's a different, different thing, you know, than coming in on a Wednesday afternoon, just to see some art, you know? (laughs) Right. So, right. Hugely different. Yeah. (laughs) That, 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 you know, there's been a couple of first Fridays where I get three or 4,000 through there and it's just a conveyor belt. Like, I don't know how people are actually viewing stuff. They're just getting pushed through, you know? Yeah. So that, that's, that's the one nice thing about all this, about 2020 and everything slowing down is, the openings and the first Fridays and all that have been a little bit smaller. Well, a lot smaller, but it's nice. Cause I get time to talk to everybody and the artist does as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, that may help push sales. I don't know. You know? I think it does. Yeah. I, you know, and, and talking with other artists and, and um, gallery owners that have been doing shows still through the pandemic, having more of that one-on-one I think has really helped them as far as uh, moving art and then artists selling art. So I, th- I think it has. So, if we can find that balance between, you know, the big yeah. openings and first Fridays and then, you know, having that intimate one-on-one with the artists and viewing art, I think, I think we'll be in a, a really good place. The, the flip side of this too is, especially working with emerging and up-and-coming artists, you know, you say, if I tell somebody who's had a couple, a couple small minor group shows that I get two or 3,000 people through my door on one night a month, you know, their eyes are this big. They're not equating... You know, they're not thinking it through about volume versus sales. I'd rather have 10 people through my gallery in the entire month and they all bought something than 3,000 people and nobody bought anything. Right. And the established artists, and I think we might have touched on this last time too, but the established artists totally understand that and get that. They could really care less about First Fridays in that sense. And, I, you know, honestly, I don't do a lot of sales on First Fridays. Um, what I do get is return people who come back during the week when it's quiet and really look at the piece and decide if they want it or not. So it helps in that sense. You know, yeah, yeah. First Friday is more about getting out and mm-hmm. you know seeing a lot of art because all the galleries are open and you know well, and having a glass of wine or beers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's it, it's an experience, a social experience. You know, it's like going to a concert almost, but you it's art. So, have I showed you her yet? Look there. Ah, uh, she's beautiful. That's that's the new one, Marshmallow. 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 Yeah, well, her name's Tia, but I call her Marshmallow. <laughs> so, what kind of dog is she? Is she a mix? She's a Neapolitan Mastiff. Okay. She's a she's about 165 pounds, and she's all lap dog. Wow. Yeah, it's it's, it's crushing. <laughs> <I can't imagine. laughs> Literally, <laughs> she she loves to try to crawl up in my chair with me. It's hilarious. That's that would be like me sitting on your lap. Yeah. Well, my fiance is 100 pounds. You got to see him walking down the street. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Who walks but, who in that scenario? Well, you, well, you, that's what I had to worry about, but she is like so chill and docile that she just scoots along and April guides her around. You know what I mean? Like she nice. never run, noises and stuff. She'll look up at something, but she never runs or anything. She's a great dog. But anyway, sorry. Oh, no, it's cool. It's all good. Love dogs. Um, so in addition to uh, doing the online shop on your website and, and moving art that way, has there been anything else that you've incorporated into how you do business this past year? You know, I, I did a bunch. I saw, I've got one group that I worked with uh, until the pandemic. I worked with every year and did a digital art show. They were graphic designers. So I was really looking into NFTs for a while. 
I, I just can't figure out how to make them work for a non-digital format. You know, I was looking into possibly doing prints that way. But again, because I don't like how a photographed painting looks, I don't want that being my representation out there. You know, if right. that kind of makes sense. You know, it, it's fine to do a couple, like, like if I do prints, I do like a, a limited edition run of 10, but I don't think I want it, but that's on paper. So you've got that, you can touch it. It's in front of you. You can see it on a wall towards a digital. It, it's always looks flat, like a photograph to me. So I looked into that for a bit and I've, I've, my friends who do the digital stuff, they're actually, they just did their first release last week, I think. So I'm waiting to see how that comes out for them. Um, but no, just, just the online store was really all I needed to do. And that really kept me going. I honestly, since the, I, the, since isolation, the uh, solo exhibition, I had to slam together really quick to fill my, the hole in my schedule last year. I, I you know, I sold really well at that. And from that show on, I've been selling pretty well with every exhibition. So I was going to, I was just going to ask you, um, so what shows did you have last year? So in March, I did open spaces. I hung the week before the shutdown. So I was in, you know, I was in my closed week. And as soon as I was supposed to open, we closed down. So that stayed on the walls until July. So then I opened up July, the third Friday of July. And I went ahead and read that show for two months because I had a couple of national artists in there and then the rest were local. You know, it was, it was right after the shutdown and nobody was out. So there was no foot traffic. I think I, I, think I had like 30 people in two months come through. Wow. It was, wow. it was really, I was really kind of getting worried. And then I, like I said, I had to throw together isolation, my own solo exhibition just to fill the schedule. Uh, that actually got really good coverage in the press, uh, nine news and the post. Some other people picked it up. I got really good foot traffic and I got pretty good sales on it. And then I did uh, the pastel society of Colorado had already booked the last two, uh, December, January for uh, their annual um, masterwork show. So that show went off and I did the sales did really well for that exhibition as well. So was that curated by them as opposed to you or how did that work? Yes. Yes. So uh, that was all, that show was all their thing. They did a call with their own members, which apparently they have members globally. I didn't know this. And they're one of the largest pastel societies on the planet with like 400 members or something ridiculous. I was just insane. And they've got some really famous artists in their group who just do amazing work. Um, but yeah, they, they, they curated it. Uh, they did everything. All I did was hang it and light it and then sell the heck out of it. <laughs> nice. So lots of sales from that show as well, huh? You know, honestly, uh, sold really well. I, 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 I was hoping to sell one and I, I think I did, you know, I think I did a uh, five or six grand for that show, which, you know, it doesn't sound like a whole lot right now, but coming out of all that pandemic and how bad foot traffic was and everything, it's, it was pretty good, you know? And these, yeah. you know, these, these were all smaller pieces that were all under, I, I think the most expensive one was three grand in the entire show. You know what I mean? The, the, the price points were, were really high. And then uh, my show, I sold about $8,000 on, give or take. Wow. And then, yeah, yeah, it did really well, which totally, you know, coming off of that open spaces exhibition, which I thought was a fantastic show. It was, it was landscapes done in four or five different uh, genres and styles and stuff. And I, it was a really strong show and I didn't have any sales for that, which totally surprised me. And then, well, I shouldn't say that. The sales in my show surprised me after that because I thought I didn't expect foot traffic to pick back up or anything like it did. Right. But I, I think getting the press coverage really helped, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the no show this year, um, the sales were not as good as I was hoping, but I still sold some. And then the photography show for month of photography, uh, it, it sold, but not very well. 
but still some sales. And then Amy's show is just skyrocketing. That's great. So overall, yeah. it's been a pretty decent year considering yeah, you know, what, what I, went I, down. I kind of expected to, to have almost no foot traffic and definitely no sales until the middle of the summer. So it's, it's totally blown my expectations out of the water. You know what I mean? Yeah. And the, the foot traffic, uh, and I, I taught, I think I talked to you about this when you came down for Urbane, but for some reason during that, that month of photography exhibition, the foot traffic kind of dropped off again. And then towards the end of it, it picked right back up again. It was, it was this kind of weird lull. And I don't know if it was spring breaks were going on or, you know, what was going on. But honestly, since about October, the, the foot traffic has been pretty steady, increasing, you know. And that no-show that no show that you have every year, the annual no-show, that was a really spectacular show this year. I mean, it was yeah, really it was. strong. It was impressive to see the, the body of work once it was all put together and how it flowed. You know, uh, I think doing two pieces from every artist this year really helped compared to last year's when I did one piece per artist. Uh, even though last year was a great show, I think this year it, just, it was just a lot stronger and a better presentation. And so you've seen a, st uh, a slight increase each month with the first Fridays. Cause I know the last, I didn't make it down this last week, but um, the previous first Fridays, which I thought people would start to be out and about. It was not as big as I thought it would be, but this right. last one was pretty decent, huh? Yeah. You know, and I also went from, you know, when I opened back up, I was only doing part-time hours of, of two or three days a week, three or four hours a day. And by January I was, I was back to, five days a week, you know, uh, 11 to three Saturday, Tuesday through Saturday. So the, the foot, uh, and I was basically on foot traffic. So the foot traffic built up that much just into January. And then, um, so then in February, was it or January, February, I started doing first Fridays as well. So I, I've gone from 50 to 60. And this last one was 90 people through the front door for first Fridays. So it's increasing, you know? Um, and I, the last, this is the first opening exhibition I've done. And we had, I don't know, either 80 or a hundred people uh, to the door for that as well. Spectacular. So, yeah. So, yeah, so was there some, some of the crowds that you usually see walking up and down Santa Fe this past Friday? No, it, it, there was, it, it's the other, the other thing that's been really nice about uh, the, the first Fridays coming out of the pandemic is people are coming to the gallery and they're staying there. So it's more like an opening reception. They're not, they don't, it's not just people milling through each gallery. They're, when they get down there, they kind of stay wherever they're at. Um, which is why I started doing my openings on third Friday because third Friday, they were doing the collector night on that's kind of what happened on third Fridays. So that's, that's been kind of cool. So I'm, I'm also going to miss that when that goes away, when all the big crowds come back, you know? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how long it takes to, to get back to what it was before. Do you think it'll get back to that? Oh again? yeah. I, I, I'm thinking probably, uh, I, I was thinking July. I'm thinking probably late May or June now. Yeah. Uh, you know, since now, now that in Colorado, we're vaccinating everybody 16 and over and the warmer's just the warmer, whatever the weather is just warm and beautiful now. <laughs> God, I can't talk. Um, it's cause you I, just I think, had a birthday bill. <laughs> Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> thank, you're part thank, of the, you, thank you. Man. You're part of the fifties club now. Uh, yeah, I just, I just joined the fifties. Congratulations. Right. Well, thank good. You, you joined right when I'm about to leave. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. In November. I'll Maybe you guys are just, he's taking your place. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one leaves, one's got to come in, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so club 50. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had a really nice dinner with my uh, fiance and son last night. And at uh, the 17th, a bunch of us are going out and 
see what kind of damage we can do to our livers. <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> oh man. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Well, cool. That's good to hear that the crowds are growing and yeah. you know, I'm with you. I, I think it's going to happen earlier than, than uh, July for sure. Initially I was kind of thinking July is when everything kind of be back on track, but I think you're right. Maybe by May, maybe June, we'll be right back where we were. I, I think as people get more confident and, and, you know, more of the population is vaccinated and people feel safer, you know, it'll, it's, it'll be kind of a no brainer. I mean, you know, as soon as everybody's vaccinated, why would you go out again? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, how has, how has the pandemic f- affected your rental of your, of your studio spaces? Are you, are you oh. filling back up again? Yeah, finally. That's just it's funny that you asked that because just I just had two showings this last week and they both rented studios. Sweet. So I and I've been sitting on these these vacancies for months. Mm. So it, I, I don't know what happened. It also we turned a corner and uh, so yeah, I got those two rented off. I've got two others right now, and I'm about to have a third one, uh, but I'm pretty sure I've got that rented already as well. But yeah, I, I just got a, like in the last two weeks, I, I got or maybe three weeks, I've just gotten a slurry of calls about studio space. What size are your studios that you have available? Uh, so the first floor are 235 square foot and okay. the second floor are 216 square foot. And then I have a, like a, it's a, I call it office space, but it could be used for a gallery too. And it's, it's 800 or 900 square foot. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I'm right in the middle of art district. I mean, I'm, I'm just in a prime spot for foot traffic, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't get any better than where you're at now. Yeah. No. So let's talk about the solo exhibition that you have coming up right after okay. Amy's. Um, you had a solo exhibition last year, like you said, in the fall, and you did well. What are we going to see with this uh, exhibition coming up? Oh, you're killing me, man. So <laughs> I was trying to get 20 to 25 new paintings done for the show. And I'm, I'm very happy with what I've gotten done. I'm very happy with my progress, but I haven't got 20 paintings done. And that's one of the things that Dan and I were joking about after seeing how prolific Amy was with her stuff. Primarily going to be all new work. There's going to be some older paintings in there as well, but not many. Uh, and it's really, I'm just doing this to celebrate the six years I've had Bit Factory. This is, a, I, I, you know, last year was my five-year anniversary, which you know, normally you do five, 10, 15 anniversary as well. Pandemic shut down. So I'm doing this, the six-year anniversary this year. And uh, it's, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I've moved into this, uh, I don't want to say darker phase, but I'm doing a lot of urban cityscapes at nighttime and especially uh, during or after rainstorms or somehow it's very dark and incorporating water somehow. I don't, I don't know what's going on with that. I don't know what that says about me subconsciously, but um, <laughs> it's uh, I'm really proud of the pieces I've got done so far. And I think they're really strong. Um, and I'm really interested to see how the public, uh, you know, how, how they respond with the feedback is. And I'm just happy to be able to celebrate six years of business. You know, the yeah. factory's here. It's not going anywhere. You know, we, I survived the pandemic. Um, things are picking up. You, you know, I'm, I'm renting studios again. I've been selling art for months. Everything's going good, you know? So let's, let's yeah. have a little party and celebrate. Yeah, no doubt. It doesn't That's get great. any better than that, man. Yeah. So this opens when? Third Friday of April. Third Friday of April. All right, right on, man. At 6 p.m. Um, moving beyond your solo show for this year, which I'm very excited about. And these are big pieces like you normally do. Cause you usually work pretty well. The majority well. of them are uh, large. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to get some small ones done just so I have to show fewer old pieces. 
Right. You know, yeah. and, and you know, smaller stuff goes faster than the large stuff. But yeah, they're you know the the two I'm working on right now are, or the three I'm working on right now are, are I think are at least forty eight by thirty six. Wow. Give or take. And then you did some commission work this past year too, right? So uh, my friend's from England, and he was the guitar player in the band that we toured the country in the nineties. And uh, he lives back in Mount Kisco, and he opened an Anglophile store. So it's just all everything you can't get here from England, you know. And he asked me to do a couple of paintings to sell in there. So what I did is I did, again, I did uh, the Baker Street Underground Station, which is above ground, and it's nighttime and it's raining. <laughs> and then I did Big Ben at sunset after a rainstorm. Nice. So those two are out there. And then uh, I was looking at your Instagram page here. This is new too, isn't it? That is. That's my one of my nephews out in LA sitting in front of Chica's Tacos. I love this piece, man. I do too. It's uh it took quite a while to finish, but I really I really like it. And as soon as I showed him, he said uh he said the nicest thing he could have said. He said, You totally caught the atmosphere and the mood of that moment. Yeah. And these pieces, these are just yeah, those those are the ones for the my friend's store out in yeah, I love these. These are just stunning. So obviously those two pieces are gone. Are the, is the uh, other piece from LA, the taco stand, is that going to be in, in this solo show? It will be. So everybody who, anybody wants to see his uh, Instagram page, it's W Max Thomason. So W M A X T H O M A S O N on Instagram. It's got some amazing stuff. So make sure you go there and check it out. Uh, that one is, that's a commission. Piece. The guy, the guy that was a store at Mount Kisco commissioned that for his wife for uh-huh. Christmas. And that that's never shown before. And I'm going to uh, ship it back out here for the exhibition. Oh, that's cool. A, that's a great piece called yeah, life that, under Grand- giants. Huh? Yeah. That's a, uh, what is that? Uh, New York after the rain, looking down the street at the Chrysler building. Yeah. That is beautiful. So this is kind of what you're talking about. These, these uh, kind of cityscapes after the rain or during the rain type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all at nighttime. Or dusk. I love that, man. So as a non-painter, I find that 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 just seems like that would be very difficult to to capture, you know, a wet surface. But these are amazing. You know, it's uh, what is it, the water, ice, fire, and snow, I think, are like the, the four hardest things to paint. And quite honestly, uh, the reflective part of it isn't hard at all, oddly enough. Like, or if it is, it... I, I figured it out quick or something. I don't know. <laughs> right. But um, I, I seem to be able to do it pretty well. And I'm just really enthralled with it. Like I can't stop painting it. You know, it's, it's, and I kind of like that too. I, I like this whole working with night scenes and urban yeah. stuff. And, and if, if I get reflective stuff in it, I like, I like that too. But um, it's just right now it's really, t- it's really speaking to me and I'm, I'm not getting bored with it. I'm not, uh, there's still stuff for me to learn. Like I'm not, I'm not getting stagnant with my learning while working yeah. on this stuff. Well, they're phenomenal. And it's, and it's fun. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. I like all your work, man. I mean, I really do. It's like so different. And, and uh, all the series that you've done, I like how you just explore something for a while. And then you're like, okay, I'm good with that. I'm moving on. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, and that's, that's every time I pick up, I decided on a series, it's to learn. And once I get done learning, um, unless I'm still having a lot of fun with it, I, I need to move on and keep furthering my education. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, you know, to bring up Dan again, I'm, I, he's doing a show at his gallery and I'm doing all the, I'm, all of my out of focus stuff is going to be showing there. And that stuff was fantastic to paint. And I still do it every once in a while, but 
the whole point was to learn how to make something look out of focus and distort it without going too far. Well, I, I, I after what 14 paintings, I got that figured out. So let's move on now. And that's where I've gone into these nighttime cityscapes with, with a lot of reflective surfaces. Well, I can't wait to see it. Um, and when you're talking about Dan, you're talking about our friend, Dan Drossman. Um, and he has a show coming up as well, right? He does. He, uh, <laughs> when, when uh, Amy's show opened opening night, he was like, I'm not going after her, am I? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Oh, made me laugh. But uh, yeah, so, and, and again, for some, well, I don't know what happened, but this year is the, the show's, uh, the, the year of solo exhibitions at Bit Factory. I've got like four in a row. Nice. So talk about each one of those shows then and, and who the artists are. So we got Metal Martyr, A.L. AL Lummis right now. That closes this Thursday. And then the 16th, my, my solo show opens. And then in May, Dan has a solo show called uh, Teetering the Line. And then after him is uh, a local artist, Jeff Larde, who is an amazing, just unbelievable photorealist or hyperrealist that I cannot believe it hasn't just taken off. Um, we've met, we did a, a group show together a few years ago. We both had pieces in a group show and we both just fell in love with each other's work. And I had him in, he was supposed to be a no-show this year and he got COVID right before drop-off. Mm. So he had to pull his piece because he didn't want, you know, didn't want to come down to spread it or anything. So, but we'd already talked about, it. I, I love his work so much. And it, it's, it's right in that vein of, of Richard Estes, who I just, uh, you know, his 60s and 70s paintings, I just adore. I, I, they, they were such a big influence on me in college. And uh, that's who Jeff, Jeff is in that vein to me, the style and the way he works and the imagery he does. So, uh, I, I really, he's somebody I really want to help take off like, like Amy did. You know what I mean? And this is the first time you've showed him in the gallery. Well, it will be, it, it wasn't supposed to be, but it will be. Cause he could, how do you, he, go how do you spell his last name? Uh, V E L A R D E, I believe. Okay. And he, he's on Instagram as Jeff Velarde, I think. Okay. Velarde or Velarde. I hope I'm okay. not saying it wrong. Velarde. He's just the nicest guy in the world. Like he's just down to earth, easy to talk to, you know, but that's the other thing I, I, I hashtag blessed um, with, with all the artists I work with. They're just super fantastic, nice down to earth people. Yeah. You know, nobody's presumptuous. Nobody's, you, you know, unhumble and, and just a complete ass. You know what I mean? Right. Which I've, I've ran into quite a bit in the past with other places, <laughs> but you know, um, it, it's just, it's just really, it's, just, I, I just have a great group of people around me right now which, you know, I think is one of the really important things in life is keeping a good group of people around you. Yeah. Well, you've, re you've worked hard to cultivate that. So now you're seeing the fruits of your labor, right? You've planted yeah. all these seeds and, and now it's starting to grow and take and off. See, see, now you're trying to give me credit. I don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve all the credit, Bill. I mean, <sighs> you really do. So you got Jeff. That's in um, May, you said? No, that's in so June. Dan, Dan's, Dan's May. So, so Dan, and then, then I have, uh, uh, I finally get to do the us exhibition again, which is, uh, an exhibition featuring LGBTQ artists or artists who identify in that community. Um, and I, that was supposed to be annual, but last year again, got tanked. So this is the second one I'm doing this year. And then after that, Jeff has a solo exhibition. And after Jeff will be the call for entry show with, with Amy Metier as the juror. Okay. Awesome. Um, that us show any particular artists you want to highlight from that show that's that's coming up oh got some fantastic ones uh 
Louis Trujillo is just, his talent is unworldly with colored pencils. He's phenomenal. He's a photorealist, really. Uh, portraits of himself. You know, some of them are drag, some are uh, just hanging out with a wig on. They're just extremely intimate and personal. And the detail on them is just astounding. Uh, I've got a new artist, uh, Autumn Thomas. I think she's got a piece at Arvada Center right now, but she's a sculptor. And she just at, happened to move into Bit Factory Studios. Uh, I don't know. I think last summer. She, okay. She's fantastic. Um, who else is showing? She's up uh, at uh, uh, Bimoka right now, too. Is she? I think. Yeah. Um, then uh, Jeremy uh, Patlin is a photographer. I've worked with several times. Uh, actually, his husband is the one that I, I did the first us with. He, he like helped me find artists and he helped me put everything together. Um, Scott, he's just a fantastic human being. But Jeremy is a great photographer that I've worked with for several shows. He was actually just in the Urbane ex exhibition for Mom this year. Um, who else? Uh, oh, uh, Jason Van Zant is a digital artist. He does digital portraits. And he did a whole series on uh, 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 trans people this just fantastic so we're going to be doing that so us is june 19th to july 9th then jeff's show is july 17th through august 13th and then august 21st through september 10th is the call for entry exhibition that is called viral hope um and then after that i have uh an exhibition called three kings and the reason I call it that is because there was a bar on Broadway called Three Kings that uh, Jim, who owns Mutiny Cafe, Mutiny Information Cafe, uh, used to own, be one of the owners at Three Kings. And I met Vincent Cheap, Josh Finley, and Jason Cope there. And uh, so it's, it's just a show of those three artists who are just phenomenal artists and have I don't know, really individual styles. Uh, but they're each doing one piece based on Three Kings, and they're doing a body of work beyond that that, I have, that I'm going to curate out of. And, uh, you know, Josh came in and actually bought one of Amy's lunchboxes because he's going to do a special uh, toy series for that show. And he really liked that lunchbox idea. Yeah. Uh, and then after that show, I have Tadashi Hayakawa doing his, his final solo exhibition. And then I have uh, the Pastel Society of Colorado is doing another show with me called Their Small Works Show which I think everything is six inches or smaller from the, from their members. And that'll nice. finish out this year. That's awesome. Nice. And then you were back into the no show for the, for the yep. 2022. Yep. And and that, so 2022 no show will actually go back to being two months long. Great. You know, this okay. year I had to cut it short. Uh, and then, yeah, I've got, a, I've already got shows on the books for next year as well. Like I said earlier, this whole 2020 got all so screwed up. Yeah. Um, I wanted you to talk about that Tadashi show, your friend okay. Tadashi. Um, I wasn't familiar with him, but he's, you said getting up in age is like 80 years old. And this is one of his last shows that he's going to solo shows he's going to put on. Yeah. So he's doing, uh, so every year he does in Parker, in the, in the park down there, they do a, a kind of an art fair and he, he calls it art for everybody, but I don't know if that's the actual name of it, but what he does is he sells all of his stuff under $900 and what he does. So he'll take four or five really large pieces and mark them down to like, like 900 bucks, some smaller pieces and knock them down to like 800 bucks, that kind of thing. And there's, there's only a certain number of each in each price group. Uh, but he, he really wants 
because his, his stuff sells for anywhere from eight to forty thousand dollars. Wow! So he really wants everybody to have access to his stuff. So he's doing that. I think that he's doing that. It opens this. It opened Friday, I think, at Sync. He's doing art for everybody there this year. Oh, at Next Gallery. Next, yeah, okay, yeah. So he's doing that. So then he's doing his final solo show. At least this is the way we've been talking about it. Um, well, he's been talking about it. Is he? This this show at Big Factory will be his final solo exhibition. He just did one in LA two years ago, and it sold out. And a bunch of his pieces went to galleries or museums all over the world. So um, I'm hoping we'll have really good success for him because this is how he makes his money, and this is how he you know budgets out all of his expenses. So I want to make sure he's got money for a few years to be comfortable. You know, yeah. And then uh, I'll be managing his his collection or his body of work after that as well. That's that's, that's spectacular. Amazing. How did you meet him? Uh, so did you ever, did you know the artwork network gallery that used to be on the corner of ninth? I don't know if I remember that one or not. So it was, it was there for quite a few years. It was huge. Um, but he used to paint in the window there on first Fridays and they, it's the only gallery he showed in, uh, in Denver. And they, they shut the gallery down and, uh, just went to an online format. So, uh, he came to my gallery wanting to do a show, but, you know, was looking for a gallery to do a show and, and we just hit it off. I mean, He's, he's, I consider him a, a great friend. Um, I go down and see him once in a while. Um, and when he's feeling well, he comes up to the gallery for shows and whatnot. Uh, but he's just a, just a hell of a nice guy. And, and uh, we just really hit it off. We've been talking about doing a show for a few years and it finally started coming to fruition. And then the pandemic hit, kind of screwed that all up. But, you know, he, uh, one time I went down and hung out with him for a day and he took me, he had three different storage units just full of work. So, um, and he's very, he's, worried about what's going to happen with his work afterwards. And he wants his daughter, who's an actress out in LA to, you know, it, receive funds from it if, if it should sell or whatnot. So he approached me and asked me to take over managing his collection and then just splitting proceeds with her. Should I be able to, you know, get anything sold for him once he's gone, which, you know, it, it's kind of a hard conversation to have with him every once in a while. Cause he'll start talking about, well, you know, I'm 80 years old. I'm, I'm not much longer for this world and whatnot. And you kind of, kind of get a little choked up. You're like, whoa, slow, slow down, buddy. <laughs> you yeah. know, I don't want you to leave the planet just yet. <laughs> but yeah. uh, he, he's, re he's really worried about, I don't want to say worry, but he's really look, you know, uh, looking ahead and trying to make sure everything's taken care of. Cause he doesn't want his work to just disappear or get thrown away or something. Right. And he wants his, you know, he wants his daughter to have a legacy from his work, and, you know, and he's a phenomenal artist and obviously oh. important. And, you Unreal. know, and it's crazy to think that, you know, here we go, another Denver or a Colorado connection, this phenomenal artist living here working. Well, and he's a teacher too. Like he, he has a, he calls them workshops. He does a, a workshop every, like one Saturday a month or something with a bunch of people. And we're going to, we're going to, in 2022, we're going to do a show showcasing those artists as well. But, and he's, and he's worked with other artists that had run studios for me before. That's, that's another way we met is I always saw him in the building because he was always meeting with one of the other artists at our studio. Um, but he's just so easy to talk to and learn from. And he's just a wealth of knowledge, you know, and he's, I, I, he's, his, well, I'm looking at one of his paintings right here on my wall. Uh, his, his ability with, with abstract expression is just unreal. You know, it just moves you. You can't help but look at any of his work and just get sucked into it emotionally, you know? And that three Kings show that you're doing. So you have Josh and you have Jason Cope, you said? Yes. It's going to be and part of that. I'm excited. I'm excited about that show because I love Jason's work and, and we're going well, to have to get him on. Have you seen the stuff he's posting online right now? Oh my God. Yeah. It's like <sighs> absolutely stunning. I'm gonna, amazing. I'm going to have to, 
lock that guy in my basement. He's got to quit creating stuff because every time he does, I buy it. I've got an entire room in my house full of his art. <laughs> like, That's what you said. I just, I just love. I, I can't get my head away the my head around the way he creates art, and it's it just I love it. Like, I can't get enough of it. And everything he's posting is for stuff for me to curate for the, the exhibit from. And I keep telling him, quit doing this because I got to buy all this. <laughs> <laughs> you're not going to have any sales in the show because I've or, or pre-bought everything. <laughs> hey, Todd, we need to uh, put links because uh, you're dropping some names down that people won't oh, be able sorry. to go find. No, well, I, I want them to be able to go find it. So if you can go and maybe put links to their Instagram or something so people can you know, like Tatashi and, and this other guy you just mentioned just so, well, I can find him and other people can find him. Uh, Tadashi doesn't have Instagram, but he has a website. Okay. But yeah, that'd be great. So what we'll do is, uh, Bill, I, I will get, uh, that calendar from you with the dates and I'll put that all in the episode notes. Okay, cool. Cause cool. that's not actually on your, on Bitfactory's website, is it? No, mm -hmm. I don't do a calendar like that. I, I just put okay. it as they happen. I never saw yeah. it on there, so I didn't think I was missing it. But yeah, if you want to send me that idea. Yeah, I think if you could even have like upcoming because yeah. uh, I was looking I was looking for like what you had coming up and you obviously you don't have anything listed, It'd be kind of cool to be able to yes. go and connect. Uh, but I was looking for Tadashi, I couldn't find him, but um I'll 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 look for it. And, okay. and anyway, as a side note. Yeah, so. yeah, no, that's a that's a great idea. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, Todd, back to you, buddy. <laughs> Um, so these all sound like phenomenal shows and I'm excited about the invitational show that you have that you put out there. Um, and mention that again, too, as far as where people can go, if they want to, uh, well, the call for the, entry show, the call for entry show. Sorry. That's right. So it's called viral hope and they can, uh, submit to it at, uh, call for or it's commonly called cafe. Um, and eight, as I stated before, Amy Metier will be the juror. Um, and it runs August 21st through September 10th. Great. And yeah, if, if your listeners go on to um, callforentry.org and just search Bitfactory or Viral Hope, it'll come up. And I, I, it's $35 to enter, three images per entry. And Amy will juror through that. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. So I know that you always have your finger on the pulse of what's kind of going on either you know, locally or outside of the, uh, Denver area. Um, any new artists that you've come across recently that you're very excited about that, you know, either you'd like to get them into the gallery or you're looking to get them into the gallery. Yeah. Uh, Evan, Oh, let me see if I can look him up real quick. He's doing right now. Everything he's posting online is, are these fantastic, uh, out of focus cityscapes like, at dusk or something so all the lights are lit up but they're just completely out of focus and i love what he's doing and i want to get, get talk to him and i really if, if i could get feral kid i believe he's in south america somewhere feral kid feral kid is this his instagram account it's just unreal what he's doing oh evan abramson so his instagram is evan c abrams abramson but you can see just from the top six lines of his stuff, it's just phenomenal what he's doing. He's getting ready for a solo exhibition somewhere else. He's not from Colorado. He's not here. Uh, but everything he's posted is just beautiful. 
And I'm working with uh, Iris Sherman. We're going we're to do another solo exhibition in 2023. Fantastic. He, he's getting a whole new, he thinks he can have between six and eight new pieces done. Um, and we're, we were just talking about this a couple of days ago. He's, he's, there's an artist, a painter in Santa Fe who wants to paint his sculptures on models. So we're thinking about doing, a two, uh, I said, so I meant a two person show. We're thinking about doing his sculpture with her paintings of his, of his work, which would be kind of really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be really cool. Cause originally I was just thinking about doing uh, photographs on the walls, you know, prints, uh-huh. but if we could get somebody to actually do paintings, I think that'd be even better. Him and Nancy just came in to see Amy's show too. They saw it online thought it was phenomenal and came down. They bought a piece. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. I'm so happy for her. I, I can't that. tell you how happy and, and for you too. Like, I mean, it's really cool to have met her and you know, you've been a great friend, like I said, at the beginning of this podcast to us, because you've fed us tons of artists that have either um, either shown at Bitfactory at one time or another, or are currently in your uh, rotation of artists. Mm-hmm. So for that, we really um, appreciate all the stuff that you've done for us. Oh, yeah. So do you use Instagram pri- primarily to find like new people that get no. artists? No, I, I use everything. Yeah. Like Instagram, Facebook. Uh, Google, um, quite a few artists I find just by people telling me about them and then I go look them up. You know what I mean? Um, the, the one thing that, uh, I don't like about running the gallery and being an artist at the same time is I have so little time that I can't go out to other art shows a lot as much as I'd like to, to find people, you know, to exhibit. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because you are there, you know, pretty well chained to the gallery a lot of times. I mean, especially on first Fridays and that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. It's probably kind of difficult between running the studios, running the gallery, and then finding time to do your own work um, to get out and really see art. It's, it's really hard. You know, I, 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 I missed everything at dam from Van Gogh on until the Frida Kahlo uh, Diego Rivera show. Did you go see that one? I did. That was really I good. Was, I thought. Really, I I I thought it was very underwhelming. Underwhelming. Yeah. yeah. See, and I've heard yeah. it from from both sides. Like some people really loved it, and some people, like yourself, yeah. found it underwhelming. Did you think that it was there was going to be more to it, or what? Did what was yes. underwhelming for you? I, I thought I thought it'd be a bigger collection. First of all, and second of all, um, and I, I should have known going into it because I know these pieces are not in that collection but I was expecting to see more of her work. Mm. It was to me, it was very uh, Rivera heavy and very heavy on. Well, the part I did like, it was very heavy on artists. I'd never even heard of. You know, there's a bunch of the, what the uh, Mexican, Mexican modernists that they had in there that I'd never even heard of or seen their work. So that was cool. That was cool. And they had the one really cool uh, portrait that he did of uh, the, the actress, the guy's wife, the collector oh, over yeah, on the couch. Yeah. That was, that was a beautiful painting with the Calhoulis and her, her shape matched the Calhoulis shape and all that. But I really want to see more of Frida's stuff. Like I was really, she was another artist that really uh, had a huge or profound effect on me in college when I was painting and her, it, it taught me about how intimate and how personal and how just achingly raw self portraits are. And especially when you've gone through something like she had, you know, and she painted all those portraits of herself in, in that brace or with, with the metal bones and all that kind of stuff, you know, trying to process what had happened to her. And that's what I was really hoping to see. But, yeah. you know, I, and I, I knew in the back of my head that would be there because it's in different collections of different museums around the world. But it, I just kind of was hoping there'd be at least one of those pieces, you know? 
I'm glad you talked about that because I often wonder what the fascination with Frida is. You know, obviously she's got some great stuff, but she is like an icon, you know, oh, yeah. unreal icon. So I'm, I'm always kind of a little bit fascinated, like why people are so drawn to her. And uh, so it was kind of nice to hear that. Well, you know, I, I think too, between her political, both, both their political stances or uh, views, outlooks, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. uh, their own personal turmoils with each other. And then her turmoils with her life and, and uh, the, the trolley wreck and all that kind of stuff. You know, I mean, if you put all that together and it was the right period of time where she just exploded, the whole scene was exploding. Right. And she was kind of at the crest of that wave and he was as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think it really lends to her becoming an icon, you yeah. know, and, and she, her, her portraits are so brutally raw. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't, sugarcoat or beautify or try to make light of anything she she paints everything just as twisted and ugly as she possibly can you know mm-hmm. and just puts out to everybody to see i don't know about you guys but anything i've ever looked at by her i've never gotten a sense that she was scared or worried about doing that right you know what i mean which, not which, self-conscious that, at all right and that in and of itself is something did not not just being able to do that, but being not being self-conscious about it or, or presenting that in the work, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. I, I really appreciate you talking about that because, you know, like I said, I've often wondered what the power that she has and, you know, she's an inspiration to a ton of people yeah, and that's yeah. fantastic. So you've also got to give her credit for being a woman in that time period and getting on top like that, you know, and, and coming out and, and being so vocal about, everything she'd believed in, whether you agree with it or not. Right. That was a whole different time period for women. I mean, that, that was brutal back then. Right. Yeah. Which, honestly, it still is, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. 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 Hey, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Opinions are always free, right? Right. 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 Get me talking about art. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed that show from, because there's a lot of photography that they incorporated. Oh, yeah. And so scenes, um, some, some of those f- photographs up close and personal, I thought was spectacular. Yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Manuel Alvarez, uh, uh, Bravo. And, um, so yeah, it was cool to just see his work face to face. And then, like you said, turned on to some of those other, um, artists that were working during that time that I wasn't familiar with, or I hadn't seen any of their work. I was pretty, pretty blown away by some of that stuff yeah there, there was a couple that were just insane really really nice pieces and it was cool too to see see like her dresses and whatnot but i, I really wanted to see her art not her dresses right yeah, yeah. i mean it, they were elaborate and very colorful and to and then seeing they had footage of her um some yeah. old film and that was kind of cool to see because, you, you know, you always see like this portrait of her or whatever, but you never see her like in motion. So kind mm-hmm. of seeing that was kind of fun as well. Well, it, it was, it was cool to see them together because a lot of times it's either Diego or Frida. It is like, I mean, yes, they were together and married and all that and contemporaries and all that stuff. But a lot of times you separate them into their own individual places. Yeah. So to see that footage with them together and those photos with them together, it was, it was kind of cool too. So talk about some of your other influences as an artist. Oh, how much time you got? Well, we got, we got some time here. So let's talk about it a little bit. Well, I, you know, the, the, the two biggest influences in my entire life on my artistic career would be 
the Favist and the, the uh, American realists of the 60s and 70s. Um, the Favist, just the, the, the just audacious use of color and, you know, painting the orange, the sky bright orange, you know, and, and th then, you know, Van Gogh and Cezanne and Matisse all kind of went into their own respective fields after that. But those three, to me, the, the, that whole beginning of the Favist movement was just phenomenal. And it just, the, the use of color just hit me right in the heart, you know, and then getting into college and learning about Richard Estes and Chuck Close and all those guys coming off both the East and the West coast, uh, the realist, you know, but especially the East coast realist, you know, and then you got like Demon corn with his whole Pacific park series and uh, abstracting landscapes that way. You know, it was just uh, for some reason, the stuff that I think, and I didn't live through it or I wasn't old enough at the time, the artists in the 60s and 70s that really hit me weren't the ones that people were focusing on, I don't think. You know, you had Warhol, who was bigger than life. You had uh, Dolly was still around, I think. Um, I don't remember now. Yeah. But yeah, he was with Disney, wasn't he? Isn't the, was the 60s when Dolly did all that stuff with Disney? Or Could be, yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it was the 60s. Yeah. So, so, you, had, so you had some bigger than life people around still that were taking all the hog in the spotlight, right? Yeah. And then you had people like Close and, 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 uh, SDs and demon and these guys on different coasts that were just doing this phenomenal stuff that, you know, and still to this day, I'll mention Richard, Richard Estes to somebody and they still don't know who the hell he is. And it blows my mind, you know, but that's <laughs> the art world too. I mean, there's just so many artists out there who are just so amazing at what they do that unless the, all you did was read about art, there's no way you could possibly know about all of them. Right. You know, right. And, and the other thing too, that I've learned as a gallerist, you know, it never hit, hit me as an artist, but in hindsight, it, I understand it, but, as a gallerist, it really hit me. Artists really get kind of tunnel vision in, in, in what they do. So uh, a lot of abstract painters only look at abstract artists and only actively seek out to further their own education in abstract abstraction. Realists are the same way. Um, surrealists are the same way. Symbolists are the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, not, not always. I don't want to generalize this way it always is, but for the most part. You know, and it, it's not, that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that at all. It's just, you kind of, I'm guilty of it too. I get really focused on what I'm doing and that's where I stay, you know? And it, again, being chained to the gallery and the studio, it, that really hinders me from getting out and looking at other stuff too, you know, and, and, and getting a broader spectrum of art, you know? Yeah. If that made sense, I hope. Yeah, no, it did. And that's what I've loved about doing these interviews with everybody like you is, Man, I come away with a you know a whole list of new names to, to right. look up and to research, and I love delving down these these rabbit holes with um, you know like I've never even heard the term Favis and <laughs> Favism. Oh, really? Yeah, I I mean it wasn't something I took art history and it probably was like poop right over my head. Yeah. But uh, well, it gets overlooked because it, it's it's what gave birth to impressionism. Impressionism is what blew up, right? Right. And the, the Favis Favism was just so short lived. Because yeah. impressionism was so great okay. and so big, you know, yeah. but uh, well, that, it, that's like, I, I'm, I'm sure you guys have never heard of feral kid, but if you go look him up, you're going to be like, wow, that, that's insane. But again, that's not somebody like I, I just happened to stumble across him. Yeah. You know, if I don't even remember how I just saw one of his drawings. And I was like, Oh my God, there's just so much out there. And that's the other problem I got is there's so much out there. How do I get them all into the gallery? <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So do you get very many people coming to your gallery and, you know, pitching to come in to Tons. be shown? And so that's, that's probably the, the biggest way that I find artists is they come okay. to me. Thank God. 
because like we were talking, I don't get to get out very much, you know? So it's, it's really great. I get people all the time. And Dan and I were talking a couple of weeks ago because I had an artist uh, email me. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's an artist. I, I didn't ask. I'm assuming it's an artist because they were on my mailing list. And they got the newsletter for the gallery and he emailed back and he said, please take me off your mailing list. I'm from New York and I came in your gallery a year or two ago and you kind of brushed me off. And that was very stupid and arrogant on your part. Wow. And I told Dan that Dan was like, really? Because every artist I've ever seen you talk to, you tell them, email me your stuff. I, I, I'm the owner and the curator. I go through all of it. I keep it on file. Now, you know, I, I can't help it if somebody felt slighted by that, but that's how it has to work. I can't sit down and go through your portfolio with you in the middle of a show. You know what I mean? Right. So, and you know, I, I do, I literally go through every submission. I literally look at it and I don't know any other gallerist that does that. And I keep them on file and if they work, they work and I'll put them in an exhibition, but it might not be for 18 months that I get back to you. Right. So, so I don't know if maybe that artist felt like I didn't get back to them timely or, you know, but it made me feel really bad for, about myself for like two weeks. I was like, right. Oh, I'm such a, I'm, I'm the worst person alive, you know, because I don't want anybody feeling like they're getting brushed off or, or pushed away or, or ignored. You know, yeah, I, but- that's not what my gallery is about. My gallery is about working with those unheard of people, those up and coming, those emerging people, you know, they're just getting their foot in the door. So, so, so how do you, you know, and I'm, I'm sure it's, it's intuitive, right? You know, you see somebody's art and like, if they just don't make the cut, they don't make the cut. Right. Or, you know, is, do you send them you know, like, do you give them encouragement to say, Hey, if you look at, you know, work on this or, or how do you, how do you do that when you, when you're weeding some people out? Well, honestly, so when somebody emails me, so, so anybody comes in and talks to me, I give them my card and I tell them, email me a list for a portfolio. I don't care if it's an Instagram account. That's just your art. I don't care if it's a Dropbox folder. I don't care if it's your website, whatever it is, right? Email it to me. I'll, I'll keep it on file and I'll go through it when I'm putting together group exhibitions. And I explain to them that you're going to start out in a group exhibition, whether that's a two person or a 25 person group exhibition, that's how it starts out. And we progress from there. So what happens is they'll email me and I'll, I'll respond and say, thank you. I'll keep this on file and go through it when I'm putting together exhibitions. Uh, and that's pretty much where the communication stops until an exhibition comes up that I want to use them in. Just because I've, there's so much going on, I can't stay in con- constant contact with everybody. You right. know? Um, it, and and that, that might be somewhere where people kind of get offended and think, oh, he just blew me off. Well, I, I'm not. It's, and I, and I, I warn everybody, you know, I'm, I, Tell them I'm generally booked out 12 to 18 months. So it's going to be at least that long before I even think about putting you in a show, you know? Um, But, you know, it's uh, the only time that that that, that protocol changes is when they're just not there yet. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've I've had eighth graders send me pictures of their sketches, you know, wanting to show. And I will gladly exchange emails with them and, and try to, Got, put them on the right path and, and tell them this is fantastic. This needs some work. Uh, come back, you know, you know, do some more work and then come back to me. You know what I mean? Like try to cultivate that. Um, and there's other people, well, they'll come back, they'll send me their stuff and I'll have to respond to them and be like, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. I see where you're trying to go with this. I think you're not quite ready yet. Maybe work on a, B and C. Um, but I've never just flat out ignored anybody. Right. Cause I, I that doesn't help anybody. You know, yeah. that the, part of my job as being a gallery owner is to help them get to a point where they can be in a gallery, whether it's mine or somebody else's, that's the whole point, isn't it? You yeah. know, like if I, if, and if I can do it 
and they will listen, I'm, I'm more than happy to talk to them. You know, some people just instantly, as soon as you say anything, they they shut you out. You know what I mean? And that's when you just kind of stop and, okay, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not going to argue with you. You know, I'm yeah. just trying to help you. So, um, but it's, it's also, it does, it does kind of weigh on me too, that I can't get everybody in that I want to. There's just not enough hours and months and weeks, days. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, I, and I can't just do group show after group show after group show after group show either. You know, I've got to do some solo shows. I got to do some two pieces, two people shows, some big invitationals, you know, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. Because I've learned too, that you've got to keep the, the public involved and engaged. And if you just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, people start dropping off. Yeah. You know, so if anybody's listening, if you want to get in the gallery, please send me a link to your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I will look at it. I promise. And be patient and be patient. Yeah. Right. I don't think it yeah, gets any better than that, man. I mean, like you said, you take the time, but there's always going to be the people, like you said, that are just going to, you know, tune you out as soon as you're not ready to like stop yeah. what you're doing and look at their portfolio. And that's a bad way to go about it anyway. And we've talked enough about this with different artists and, and gallery people that, you know, you don't just show up unannounced at a gallery and expect somebody to be able to stop what they're doing and look at your work. Well, and it's, it's, it's deceiving too. You can walk into my gallery. There could be nobody in there. You can walk in on a Tuesday afternoon. There's nobody in the gallery. And I'm sitting at the desk and you can think, oh, he's got nothing going on here. I can talk to him about, you know, I can get my portfolio out. We can spend an hour going through this. I can't take an hour out because the person right behind you might be somebody who wants to buy a painting. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm not trying to be, and, and, and again, this is why I, I've, you know, it took me a couple of years to get the whole, my whole spiel together, but I, I think I've got this, this nice soft pitch spiel together that says, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and I'm not trying to brush you off, but I, you've got to send it to me so I can look at it on my time and then I'll, I'll get back to you, you know, because I don't want to put anybody off. But, you know, I also remember my days of, of, of walking into a, a gallery cold, but this was way before the, you know, uh, all the modern technology that we have nowadays to where we had social media or Dropbox and all that kind of stuff to where I could send them a, a link to a portfolio. I had to carry slides or prints or something, you know, and it's just, I, and I, I've been on that side of it. So I understand how hard and, and how, you know, you, you get shot down enough times and pretty soon you're just calloused and you just want to punch somebody in the throat <laughs> you know <laughs> and you're like god i've had it with you people so i understand that too you know so i want people to feel like bit factory is a place they could come and again it may not be tomorrow but at some point if i can get you in the show i will you know yeah and you don't have an assistant right you're pretty much no, i don't you're running the show by yourself yeah and and working on my own personal career as an artist and working on my side hustle of building custom cars and hot rods and, you know, working on getting married, you know? So yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we all have life going on, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just me. And I would, I would love to, at some point be able to hire a gallery director. It'd be fantastic, yeah. but I'm not there yet. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm also, I also really like what I'm doing and how I do it. So maybe I never will, you know, yeah. I, I don't, I'm not a control freak, but I just like how I've got my thing, my, my little universe running right now. Right. It's very comfortable. And I know, I know exactly what's going on at all times, you know? Yeah. And right now it's, it's fairly manageable. So it is. You know, why right. not? Don't, don't try to fix something that ain't broke. Right. 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 You know, and maybe at some point I'll have super high sales or, or something to where I have to bring somebody on. But right now it's, it's very manageable where it's at. So this transitions into um, 
my next question is what, so what is your vision for for Bitfactory? Do you put, do you set like 5 10 year goals goals that sort um, of thing? You, you know for for the gallery I have and for the studios I have but for the studios it's more like I want to punch in more windows and more skylights that kind of thing. For the gallery beyond um maybe getting more established artists like Feral Kid, you know, like an international artist, maybe getting somebody like that in there. Mm-hmm. I really kind of like the way it's chugging along right now. And going back to what we were just talking about, I have a ton of untapped artists yet to get in, into a show. So I, I, I kind of like the course I'm on. I just kind of want to stay with it for a while. Now in five years, that might change. I might want to do something else. And there, there's always the thought in the back of my head of expanding. Um, whether that's, sell this building and buy a bigger one or do a co-location. I don't know yet, but that is something that's just kind of always pinging around the back of my skull, <laughs> you know, and I, maybe Estes park, maybe Trinidad, uh, maybe a whole different state. I don't know. You know, I think eventually 10, maybe five, 10 years, I would like a bigger gallery. You know, maybe about 3,500 square foot. Okay. That's, that's, that's the only thing I don't like about my gallery. I mean, I love my gallery and I, I love the intimacy of it. And I do like that it's small, but I would like to be able to put more art in there and I can't, there's just not the physical space, you know? I like what uh space gallery did where he has, he's got, you know, these other satellite. Well, he's got a whole other gallery that he, a building that he purchased that, you know, shows yeah, the, the annex, the annex. And then he's yeah. got a satellite gallery down in Rhino but that, oh, does he? That, yeah, that's, that's just, uh, that was actually given, that space was given to him to kind of highlight, you know, certain artists every month or what have you. I didn't know but, about um, that one. Yeah, I didn't either until I, we had that conversation with, with Michael. But, um, but yeah, I think that's an interesting concept. And I could see why, you, but I love this, I love the, the, the space that you have there and the size of it, you know, it's I, just I too. But maybe having a second gallery. I yeah. Mean, the whole Trinidad thing, and we've talked about this, is, you know, they're trying to make a whole, well, they have a thriving art community down there, but they're trying to make downtown, you know, a destination place for art galleries and, and music venue for concerts and that whole thing down in Trinidad. So that might be an interesting concept, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it does intrigue me quite a bit. And, you know, uh, I got kind of turned on to it because years ago, Cope moved down there and he moved down there right when they somebody bought an entire city block downtown and wanted to turn it into studios. And that's when they were trying to get this whole artist community destination thing going. And I was like, well, wow, that's, that's a great idea. You know, and like I said, it's always kind of bounced around the back of my head, but at the same time, I can't be in two places at once. So, and I, I don't know that market was, so whether I went to Estes or Trinidad, or let's say I put it somewhere in uh, what a, a, a gallery in Santa Fe or something. I don't know those markets myself. I don't know how, if what I do here is going to work there, it's a business model. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. but and, and I wouldn't want to. Do, I'd, I'd want to do just a gallery. I wouldn't want to do studios with it. I don't. No, think. no studios. Okay. I, I, you know, that, well, you know, half the time I'm like no, and half the time I'm like hell yeah. Why wouldn't I? You know what I mean? So I don't know if there's a market for it. First of all, second of all, do I want to have to worry about two separate businesses at the same time? You know, the, the studios and the gallery at a, at a co-location somewhere. It's you know it's, it's it's a lot to think about. Uh, it's to me it's kind of the, the logical step to be another location, right? You grow your business, you expand. Well, in, in my business, expanding means another building, another gallery, right? Um, so I, I, I'm 
you know, I'm pretty sure at some point I'm going to, <laughs> or maybe, maybe I'll figure out some way to franchise it across the country. You know, I don't, I don't know. That'd be kind of cool. Bit factories everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love not? the name. I love the name bit factory. Where, where did you get that name? How'd you come up well, with that name? So that kind of comes out of, uh, in, in between the music career and the, and the, and going back to art full time. Uh, I got into it and I was doing, uh, I had a little recording studio in my basement, but it was all in the box because it was all techno house music. And, uh, you know, a bit's the smallest chunk of data on a computer. So, and to me, everything is a bit, you know, whether it's a painting or a word or a song or a note, you know, so it kind of made sense that I was manufacturing these bits in my recording studio. So I did a bit factory and I just carried that over to the art gallery. Yeah, I like it. So it's, it's kind of a tongue in cheek play on words about, uh, you know, things out in the collective that we all experience. Yeah. That's a really bad way to say that, but I think you get what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at these things. God. There's a great thriving art community here and for sure in the Denver area, but it seems to be statewide. Do you feel like we're finally kind of coming into our own as far as an art destination? And we have all these incredible museums. We have all these great galleries. The The art district on Santa Fe, where you're located, is is uh, thriving and um, and then there's the the other ones throughout the city that you know that we have. Um, how how do you feel about that? I, I think you know, we've talked about this a couple times, haven't we? Like Probably. outside the podcast. But uh, I, I think definitely. I, I think uh, I think it's actually been a destination for quite a while. It just never got covered as that, or or the press never recognized it that way. If that makes sense. Um, but I think I've told you this before too. I, I read some article recently in the last few months that said our uh, attendance rate to art functions is higher than anywhere else in the country here in Denver, nice. which, and, and like, like it's 70 or 75% attendance rate or something, just something ridiculous compared to like, I think it was the other three places that compared to were LA, New York and Santa, Santa Fe. And at best they were like at 30 or 35% attendance rates or something like that, which I, I, I can't tell you what they based that metric on or anything, but uh, I can't even tell you where the hell I read that. But anyway, um, I think Denver is, well, Colorado as a whole, is just fantastic for the arts. And I think it has been my entire life. It's just with, with the, the masses of people that have been moving here in the last couple of decades, it's started to become recognized that way. Um, and I, I think, you, you know, and I told you this, we talked, when we were talking at the gallery one time about how Denver was always supposed to be the next LA musically. You know, it was always supposed to blow up at some point. It would have a band get signed and all of a sudden it would go dead for five years. Then another band would get signed and go big and go, you know, never drop off the map again for five years. In the art, to me, the, the, the visual art aspect of that has just continually been on an uphill climb. You know what I mean? Like a trajectory, not climb, but uphill trajectory. And uh, we've just with the, the foot traffic alone on first Fridays in my art district. And then we've got Rhino Art District, which is extremely popular. We've got 40 West coming up. We've got Tennyson. Uh, Aurora has been trying to make an art district going on for a couple of years now. I mean, they're all sustainable. Like no one, none of these art districts pop up and die because of uh, loss of foot traffic or sales. You know what I mean? Everybody's supported. And you, like Trinidad's becoming a spot. Estes Park is a spot. We're trying to get uh, Gilpin County going up in Central City. You know, it's been a spot for a few years now. It's got a fantastic gallery. It's just, it, what is it, Elizabeth or something? It's becoming a huge artist haven. 
now or something really? like that. I could see yeah. as you go further out east, you know, where where properties a little bit more affordable. Reasonable. Yeah, reasonable. <laughs> um, because I love it out there. The Kiowa, Elizabeth area, that, that area is out, out there is beautiful. Yeah, and then Pueblo. Couple. Pueblo is a thriving. Yeah, it's blown up thriving really area down there. thriving yeah. city of the arts um they have a really strong collective of artists down there um yeah we got a lot of stuff going on here in colorado so yeah i, I think colorado's fantastic and, and we've also got it, it's not it's not just that we have all these great galleries and studios and all that kind of stuff and retail that goes along with the art we also have all this inspiration around us constantly nonstop. between the city life the country life the mountains the people, you know what I mean? Like five minutes from my house, I get up far enough in the mountains to where I can draw you a beautiful landscape with no buildings, no people, nothing. And then I five minutes the other way and I can draw you this really great urban scene, you know? Or if I go 30 minutes east of here, I could give you a great shot of the plains, you know? Yeah. And then there's oh. always the people watching. <laughs> yeah. Good people watching. That's for sure. Oh, great. <laughs> the only thing we don't have is the ocean. And, uh, you know, buy a water in general. Yeah. Water in general, possibly. We have reservoirs. We don't have lakes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Or big rivers like they did back then. Yeah. Yeah. The the river situation here is pretty sad. (laughs) Well, great for two, but getting drunk though. Yeah. True. If you like to two and you like to drink, we got craft beer and we got rivers you can tube on. Literally three inches of water. Just float through it. (laughs) (laughs) Todd, I think you should uh, reach out to the tourism department and see if we can get a sponsorship as much as you're pushing the the Denver art scene. Well, I I mean, I think it's, I think it's, uh, you know, there's some exciting stuff going on and, you know, in doing this podcast, you know, we've talked to people from all over the place, whether it's on the podcast or, you know, just in, you know, getting out and about and talking with artists or, or gallerists and, um, it's pretty inspirational to think of what is, is truly going on in here. I mean, I haven't been down to Trinidad to check that out, but I'm, I'm Jones and go South and, and do a road trip and, and see what all they have going on down there. Have you talked? Oh, I, to? I'd, I'd love to get down to Pueblo for a couple of days and go down to Trinidad for a couple of days too. Well, I, maybe we need to road trip, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'd totally be down for that. Just have to be on a couple of days off that I have at the gallery. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to like pencil you in somewhere like 18 months from now (laughs) works the same way as if you're going to try to get into the gallery. Yeah, pretty much. No, (laughs) we we just have to do it on one of the off weeks when I'm hanging the new exhibition. There you go. Okay. Do you ever use the interns? Have you, you Uh, you know, I haven't, um, a good friend of mine who started the gallery and then he was an architect who started the gallery and then, uh, moved on to some, some other stuff was using, uh, interns from Rocky mountain mm-hmm. and told me about it. And I was like, Oh, that's a great idea. And then I never followed up on it again, just because I, I don't really know if I need them right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be cool to, to if somebody's really interested in learning about how the gallery runs and how to curate all that kind of stuff, that'd be cool as, as hell. But, um, I, you could I u- utilize them in some way. Yeah. You know, I, I, well, I don't know if I could keep them busy. Yeah. Besides sitting in the gallery all day by themselves. <laughs> Wait for right. people to come in, you know. Yeah, and I'm Which a big I'm, advocate for interns, but it has to be a value for the intern. Right. You know, right. That's the thing. I've well, seen some bullshit internships. 
they got to learn something, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the, whole, the whole point of it is to, to an educational process. Yeah. Well, sitting in my gallery for somebody to come through that front door is not educational in any shape or form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, if, if now sitting down and help and, you know, teach them how to run the books and how to book a show and how to contact artists and how to curate the show and all that kind of stuff, that, that'd be great. Social but, media. Yeah. Well, that's a huge chunk of my day. Yeah. You've you've done a lot for this uh, for this AL Lummis show. I've you know you're on there nonstop and good for you because that, that you know. Well, I went viral two months ago. I got a million hits on Google. Did you really? Yeah. Well, just under a million. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, Google Google for some reason has just taken off for me. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm averaging in like sixty five thousand hits a month now. Wow. Yeah, and like uh, at least one hundred, if not to three hundred thousand views of my images that I post on Google, but you know how you can, uh, do you guys have a Google business account? Either of yes. Yep. So, you know, you can upload images, you can upload product, you do all that kind of stuff. And I, I do, I treat it just like social media. So I, every time I post on social media, I'm posting on Google. Mm. And for whatever reason, I'm just getting a ton of traffic off of that. So does it automatically go from your social media to Google or do you have to do that separately? No, you use the Google app. Okay. The business app. Okay. Uh, but so, you, you know, uh, so I use something called Crowdfire, which lets me schedule my social media posts. So it hits the major ones for me. So I don't have to go into each of those individually, but then I go into Google and Yelp and one other one and post those manually and just treat them like a social media account. So the Google thing is really blown up for you. Yeah, that's really yeah. interesting that you're the first person we've talked to. I think that is, uh, that's utilizing it that way. Yeah. Well, it kind of made sense. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just free advertisement, just like, and that's how I treat social media. Well, and Google's king, so it oh, makes yeah. absolute sense. But yeah, hmm, interesting. Like, uh, uh, so it shows you like, um, it'll show you like how many, so I, let's say I have 20,000 images posted. It'll show me my, how many images I've posted for a time frame. And it'll show me how many other, how many images other galleries in Denver have posted. And they're always like at like five or six. And I'm always at like 10,000. And that's a bit of an exaggeration, but you know what I mean? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a huge gap because I, I think it's a totally unutilized tool or people don't realize it's there. I don't know what it is yet. Yeah. But yeah, that, that time. Uh, yeah. Like right now I've got 175,000 views on Google, which just blows me away. Like, I mean, like, why would I have that many? I'm a little tiny gallery in Denver, you know, but that, that, that day I opened up the app and it, it, uh, for a 30 day span, I was at, at almost a million hits on my stuff was, I was just like, wow, that's insane. Yeah, you would think, well, you, and you, you know, I, I don't do a lot of, I do ads here in Denver, but I, I don't do statewide or national ads or anything. So you would 10,000 hits, maybe, maybe 20, but it was like, it was just under 900,000 hits wow. in a 30 day period, which help, man. If that, if that gets me traffic, cool. I'm good with it. You know? Right. Right. Which hopefully translates to sales. So every one of these episodes, I feel like there's a little bit of, uh, you know, there's always multiple things you can get from each one of these talking to different people. There's the nugget for today, folks. Utilize <laughs> your Google uh, business account and start posting pictures of your stuff. Yes, absolutely. And it'll drive traffic to your website, to your shop. It'll drive traffic everywhere. everywhere. Nice. It's awesome. It's awesome. Oh, man. Well, you know what? This has been really fun to catch up and... Uh, talk about what's been going on because we don't always even in the gallery when i see you we don't always get to talk about what's been going on you know for the past year so having to 
sit down and just kind of focus for a little bit on what's been going on at the gallery. It's been really fun to learn what has happened and what is going to be happening here in the foreseeable future. Is there anything else that you want to talk about or promote? Really just, I, I'd, I'd really like people to come down and celebrate my six year anniversary with me here at the gallery next month. Yeah. Sorry, this month. Sorry. Uh, the exhibition opens the uh, 16th at 6 PM and runs uh, until the second Thursday of May. And I'm open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 to three. Awesome. And we'll have all that information in the episode notes for this week. And you can always go to Bitfactory's website, which Wes uh, mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast, it's bitfactory.net. And to check out Bill's work, you can go to wmaxthomason.com. That's D or that's W M A X T H O M A S O N.com. And um, he's got just phenomenal work. So go show him some love. Um, Come down, check out the next first Friday, the opening uh, of Bill's solo show, celebrating his six year anniversary at Bit Factory. And Wes, you have anything else for this week? Yeah, for sure. I'm, you know, I'm planning on making it down to Denver, the end of uh, uh, when is that? The 20, I should have my calendar up. I'll be down there. Speaking of that, huh? Right. Uh, let me see. Let me look at the my 23rd. calendar. The, so I'll be April. heading down to Denver the 23rd of, of, of this month, and I plan on trying to swing in and seeing you, and hopefully you'll be around on the 24th on that Saturday. We'll oh, yeah. swing by Vit Factory, and, awesome. uh, and, and uh, we'll, check, we'll check your show out. I'm excited. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it's yeah, been you're a blast. welcome anytime, man. Yeah, we always, I always enjoyed seeing you. And like I said, you've been a huge supporter of this uh, podcast, and I appreciate all the stuff that you've done for us. So we do. Oh, hell yeah! So and happy I, I, birthday! I, I, happy yes. birthday! Welcome to Con- Club Fifty. Congratulations <laughs> for your um, engagement to your fiance. Yeah, thank you. That happened you. this year during the pandemic. It did last October. Nice. And then congratulations on six years of being in business, man. Yeah, that's ah, thank you guys. I really appreciate it. I really yeah. appreciate it. Love the podcast. I'm a few episodes behind right now, but I'll get caught up. <laughs> great. Great. Well, we're glad you're listening. That's for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a favorite, my favorite podcast right now. Ah, oh, love it. Thanks, man. <laughs> yeah, appreciate absolutely. It. Yeah. You're, you're even beating out the car podcast. That I listen to, so <laughs> that's a big thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is a big thing. We better step up our game, Wes. That's right. (laughs) Well, thanks again. And for the Tenet Podcast, I'm Todd Pearson. And I'm Wes Brown. Have Have a great great week. week.